Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Hey, everyone. Good to see you on this rainy fall morning. Uh, if you're visiting today, really glad that you're here. Hope you feel welcome. And uh, again, Andrew, or welcome to our uh, online viewers. And uh, before I get to my talk, I have a question for you. How many of you uh, received and read or watched the email that went out on Friday? Wow, I, I was so cynical. Nobody, nobody checks that email. This is great. Okay, so if, if you didn't, uh, that email contained a special or an important announcement with an attached video from myself. And incidentally, if you don't receive our weekly email and you want to, just go to the info counter, fill out a Connect card, and we'll get you on the list. Um, but that, uh, the email contained, or the information was, the announcement was that starting in uh, January 2024, we're going to be canceling our Saturday night service. So there's an explanation in that video of why we're doing that and what brought us to that decision. Um, but after every service this weekend, last night, today, I'll be available in the hub, which is an, uh, a gathering space just past our info counter, if you have any questions about that. But again, if you haven't watched the video, watch it. Uh, I think it, it doesn't answer every question, but I think it answers a lot of the questions. And be praying for our regular Saturday night people. One of the reasons we announced it this early is we want to help them transition uh, uh, for many of them to, to Sunday. So be nice if someone else is sitting in your seat. Boy, oh boy. Okay, there's a nice segue. Be nice. Okay, but uh, last weekend, Andrew kicked off a new series entitled Living in a Foreign Land, a look at the life of Daniel. A five-week series, five stories of how Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they stayed true and faithful to God whilst living in a foreign land in the land of, of Babylon, surrounded by you know, a people who really had little to no interest in staying true uh, or faithful to God. Last weekend, Andrew talked about how our culture here in America, our culture has changed and continues to change so quickly. Uh, so much so that increasingly it looks like, feels like we are living in, uh, in a foreign land with a culture that, that seems to be moving further and further away from God. And when I say that, culture that's you know, moving further from God, when I say that, don't, don't hear it as a judgment or a condemnation on our culture. When I say something like that, like, hey, it's getting darker out there, hear it more as church, it's time for us to rise up. It's time for the church to rise up, be the church, and to be bright lights uh, in this darkening world. It's time for us really more than ever to take serious this the, the rescue mission of God, this invitation from God to partner with him. Really, uh, at this time in history, people, people need rescuing right now. They don't need condemning. So uh, uh, um, here's, here's how we shine our light. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way your light must shine before people so that, so that they will see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. And that scripture ties in with what I just said, but also what we're looking at this weekend, a uh, very familiar story of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the fiery furnace, uh, a story where three young men 
choose to obey God over obeying, uh, obeying the king. We see three young men who are living in a foreign land and, and they're letting their light shine through their obedience to God. And their obedience literally has incredible impact. The result is the, the, the turning of the king's heart back to God. And amongst other things, this story is a reminder to us as followers of Jesus living in a foreign land. Uh, it's a reminder that, that we are meant to look different. We are meant to look different than the people uh, in this foreign land. There will be times where we are to stand up when the culture is bowing down, and there are times when we are to bow down when the culture is, when the culture is standing up. So uh, that's going to get us to chapter three. So let's, let's pray, and then we're going to jump in and take a look at this, uh, this cool, very cool story. Let's pray. So Lord, thanks for, uh, thanks for another Sunday, another time to gather. And I, I do pray, Lord, uh, I do ask that you would move, uh, just carry our church through this transition as we move towards the new year. Uh, I pray, especially for our Saturday night folks, that you would help them with this, this schedule change and um, just, just keep your arms around us. And uh, I pray today that uh, you would come, Lord, and teach us something new about you today. Uh, we thank you for your presence. I thank you for everyone here, everyone watching online. Uh, just come and meet us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, last week we, uh, we learned how um, some of the Jewish elite had been taken into exile, into captivity in Babylon. Again, a foreign land with many, many different uh, practices, many different values, many different gods. Last week, Andrew talked about how Daniel and his three friends, they stood up to the king in the area of their diet, which doesn't seem like a big deal to us, but it was, very, it was a very big deal to them. They were basically saying no to eating foods that went against the dietary commands that God, their God had given them. And God blessed their obedience and gave them great favor in the eyes of, of the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And so at the end of chapter two, they were all, Daniel and his friends were all appointed to high positions within the king's court. And that brings us to chapter three. You can follow along on the screens. Here's what it says. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and six cubits wide, 90 by nine feet, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. Uh, then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are to you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Dun, dun, dun. It's pretty intense. Now, we're not sure why uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had this statue built. Maybe this is what really rich, bored kings do uh, in their spare time. But history would say that it was not an image of himself, that it was more a statue uh, built in tribute to, to uh, their many, the nation's many gods. It, it, it probably was an attempt to unify his kingdom around people's religious loyalty, although uh, be it a little bit forced uh, loyalty. Either way, he invites the political who's who, to, uh, to come 
to Babylon to come and see this, this new creation. And again, he lays down uh, this very severe edict to all the people. As soon as you hear the band, you must fall down and, and worship this statue or else you're gonna be killed in the fiery furnace. And I, and I think it's interesting and it's, and it's important, to point, important to point out that the herald doesn't say, like, hear the music, bow down, worship the statue, or die, and you must also stop worshiping any other gods. He doesn't say that. So in a sense, what he's saying is, okay, people, all you really have to do is just play along with what the king's doing here. Like, the music goes, bow down, make it look good, and, and then you can stand up, you know, and go on with your lives. You can go back to worshiping your, you know, your, your other gods, etc. So this wasn't a big deal to a people whose culture was, was filled with lots of idols and, and different gods. But it was a very big deal to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who believed in the one true God of their forefathers, that he alone is to be obeyed. This was a very blatant test for their faith for these three young men. And, you know, unlike the story, wouldn't you agree that, that the testing of our faith, will we obey God or not obey? The testing of our faith is almost never this obvious. You know, bow down to the government or bow down to your boss or, or die. Like, I, I've never experienced that. Have you ever experienced that, that severe of a test? Uh, the testing of our faith is much more subtle like I, I, I think of, um, like I don't foresee any future president building a 90-foot statue somewhere in the country uh, and demanding that we all bow down and, and worship it or, or die. And just a little side note, having said that, this, this got me thinking. Um, uh, you may be aware that we are, we're uh, entering another election year. Did you know that? And as I've been thinking about that and just thinking about the last one we went through, uh, uh, I think with how it consumes media and it consumes our lives, I think you may as well build a 90-foot statue in the middle of the country. It's going to, you know, this election year, it's going to consume the media. For some of us, it's going to consume our social media posts, our conversations with family and and hopefully still friends, and you know, around the, the water cooler at work, conversations and media posts that historically did a lot of damage to relationships. Did a, there was a lot of division. So, so here's my little side thought. As followers of Jesus, can we decide now that the hope for America is not the next president, but the hope for America is Jesus? Can we decide that? And, then, and that's awesome. So when I say that again next year, will you still clap is what I want to know. And so, so I'm not saying don't be involved. This is very important. And, 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 and like be involved, vote, get out there and vote. Uh, but, but here's what I am saying. When the CNN, you know, Democratic band starts to play, or when the Fox News Republican band starts to play, I don't know, I'm just making that up. But, but when they start to play, what I'm saying is followers of Jesus, don't bow down to the music. Stand up, stand up and be a light for Jesus in a darkening world. So there, okay, off my soapbox. Okay, so the tests of faith that we encounter are more subtle. It's not bow down or die like in the story. For us, it's more like bow down or look different from your peers. Like, which I think some of us would rather be thrown in a fiery furnace 
than to look different or to look foolish. You know, bow down or look, look like a failure in the eyes of your family. Uh, bow down to, you know, or, 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 or stand out for the wrong reasons. Look weak, look old fashioned. Um, you know, it's interesting when you look at the example of Jesus, the one who we're following. Jesus confused and frustrated people because he was not consumed by the pursuits of, of the world around him. He refused to bow down to the pursuit of money or popularity or, or power and control or comfort, security. Jesus lived his life with his eyes on a much bigger prize than anything this world uh, can offer. He was consumed not by something. Jesus was consumed by someone, someone more valuable than the praises or affirmation or the goodies of this, of this world, someone more valuable than, than his own life. And I say that because we see that played out uh, in this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This, this test of their faith was a really big deal because they had made a decision that nothing in this world was more important than obedience to, to their God. They had been taught their entire lives. Exodus 20, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. To these three young men, these words were not two of the 10 suggestions they were two of the 10 commandments. They were, they were to be obeyed. So the story continues. The band starts to play and everyone bows down except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you know, we don't know where Daniel is during this story. Like, I don't know if he was on vacation or what, but Daniel doesn't show up. But in this story, some of the Babylonian leaders, probably motivated by jealousy, they inform, they they uh, informed the king that these three young men disobeyed. And I think King Nebuchadnezzar really liked these three young guys um, because he gives them another chance uh, to choose. And basically, I can almost see him leaning into them saying, come on, you guys, it's not a big deal. You hear the music, bow down, make it look good, and then you can get up and go back to your God. I mean, and it basically, you know, he calls it to, and then he says this very, very pivotal verse, verse 15. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then, and then this, is, this is the pivotal part. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? So he's, it's, it's, he's really sort of drawn a line in the sand or, you know, he's basically saying, hey, you guys, I don't think your God, even your God is big enough to rescue you from my hand. And I remember years ago, I read a book, uh, a really, book, a really good book called when, when People Are Big and God is Small. It's a, it's a highly recommended. Um, when People Are Big and God is Small basically gets at the question of, like, who do I believe God is? Right? Like, like how big do I believe God is? And, and, and sort of the, the premise of the book was, that's really important to ask that question because who I believe God is or how big I believe God is will determine whether or not I see him as worthy of my obedience, right? Are they, are they commandments or are they suggestions, right? Or, or worthy of my worship. 
Do I bow to him and, 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 and him and him? Like, like him alone, uh, worthy of our very lives. And I, you know, I think back to, and we really see the roots of this, this struggle that we have. Think back to the series we just came through, Gospel of Wholeness. Do you remember the first uh, concept? Sin is the common, good job. Sin is the common problem. And then we see where, where we as hum- humans have committed two sins that are really foundational sins that have, that have and continue to get us into trouble. And it's found in Jeremiah 2.13. And basically it's saying this. Uh, our first sin is we have decided God, God is not who he says he is. Our first sin is that we, we, have, we look at Almighty God and we've shrunk him down, you know, almost like bobblehead. <laughs> okay. Should I do it? Yes, yes, yes. It's like, oh, okay. Okay, that's funny to me. I'm just making that up. It's not in my notes. And I'm thinking my parents are laughing and they're so proud of me right now. And <laughs> I'm your favorite son. And I know that. And that's good to know. Please tell my brothers. Okay. But, but, but we've made him small. And then because he's small, the second sin is we're like, well, he can't do anything. We need to go find someone else. And so we go looking for other sources of, of what only he can give. And really, the gospel of wholeness, besides other things, is, is, is a reminder to, to bring us to a place of asking this question, but wait a minute, what if this is all true? What if God really is the one true well and everything else, you know, they're all empty wells? What if God really is the one true source? If he really is who he says he is, the king of all kings, the one true authority, the one alone who is to be who is to be obeyed. See, the reason we rejected God in the first place and started looking elsewhere for what only he can give was, well, it was because of sin. And and what I mean by that is what sin does to a human being is it blinds us to truth. It distorts what we're seeing. It, It really gives us amnesia. We've forgotten. We've forgotten who we are and who, who's, who's we are. And so basically King Nebuchadnezzar is saying, look, you guys, you better bow down because in my opinion, God, your God is too small to help you. How do they respond? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. That's pretty brave. Like, excuse me. I think it's very accurate to say, based on what those three young men said to the king, as you can smell the, the furnace right cooking to the side, uh, it's pretty accurate to say that in, in the eyes of these three young men, God was very, very, very big. And people, the king included, was very, very small. It's amazing. They were more concerned about obedience to God than they were about their own deliverance. They were more concerned about the honor of God and his forever worthiness of obedience above all others. And I think this is, this is like a crazy level of faith. Um, to, you know, basically, they're saying, hey, hey, we've, we hear what you're saying, but we believe that our God can deliver us. He is able. Okay. But then they say, but we also believe that he doesn't have to deliver us in order to still be 
our God. We are good with whatever he decides is best in this situation. Live or die, we trust him. Another way to put that is uh, John Wimber, founder of the Vineyard, used to say this a lot. He used to say, I'm just change in God's pocket. He can spend me however he wants. Now, when I look at uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, when I look at John Wimber, his little comment there, uh, I think to say those things and to live those, those statements, to have that kind of faith, God has to be really big in your eyes. Like, basically, they're saying, you know what? It really doesn't matter what happens to me in this life, live or die. I know I can trust him. I know he's got this and he's got me. I look at that kind of view, that big view of God, and isn't it, isn't it incredible? Doesn't it look so freeing? Doesn't it look so freeing to, to just be, to just have this deep conviction that God is always bigger than, and so I'm good. I'm safe no matter what happens. And, you know, I know in my own life, and I'm sure in your life, you've experienced those times where, where you, you just get this, uh, this glimpse of God and his greatness and his bigness and his faithfulness and his, and his power. And, so, and, and it's like, you, you know, he's so big and he's so trustworthy that you really do believe he is who he says he is. You really do believe uh, uh, that you do not need to fear for your life, that, that, he, that he, you know, being not afraid of standing out or what others will think, not afraid to stand up when everyone else is bowing down or bow down when everyone else is standing up, to not fear for yourself, for your family, for your lives, because you know he's always greater than. He's always bigger than all this. And in his hands, whether we live or die, we're going to be okay. I mean, those are wonderful times. But you know, for, then for the other 97% of my life, uh, it really is dealing with the question of, is he greater than? Is he big enough for this or for that? Is he bigger than this financial need? I mean, it's getting expensive. It's getting expensive to, to just live life. Is he bigger than this diagnosis? that you just got from the doctor for you, for your, your aging parent, for, your, for, you know, for a loved one? Is, it, is, is, is he bigger than my child's learning disability? Is he bigger than you know, my child or uh, my child's addiction? Or, I mean, is he bigger than what's going on in Maine? If you've been watching the news with another mass shooting, is he bigger than what's going on in Israel? was just, just massive, bigger than what continues to go on in the Ukraine, on and on and on. Like, is he bigger? And I think this question, so much of life, if you're going to follow Jesus, so much of our life is asking that question while, you know, having fear and anxiety and disappointments and confusion and questions swirling all around us. And, and so let me ask a question. Where, where does crazy faith or where does faith, like what we saw in these three young men, where does that come from? Or another question is, how, well then, how does God get bigger in my eyes? If he's smaller than my fears right now, how does he get bigger in my eyes? Well, last weekend, Andrew uh, reminded us uh, about how change, growth happens in our lives. He said, uh, our, it's our will combined with God's power. And another way to put that is, it's us choosing to obey God regardless of the feelings within us the circumstances around us 
and the consequences before us. We choose, we choose our best, and he meets us in the choosing. And, and, and now this seems like a really weak or small uh, comparison to a fiery furnace, but I know, and I know I'm not alone in this, but the, the music that the enemy plays in my life on a daily basis, music that he wants me to bow down to, is the music of, of anxiety and worries and fears for what if. And, and, it's, and it's like he plays that you know, anxiety music and he wants me to bow down. He wants you to bow down and to be ruled by it. And, and where I've seen faith grow, where I've seen my vision of God get bigger has been in those times where I choose to resist and I make a feeble attempt to stand up and not bow down to the anxiety music and to, and to put my trust, my faith in God. And it's in those times where I know you've experienced this, where I have discovered that God has met me in that place. I have discovered his presence, his power, and his faithfulness in the, in the midst of that fiery furnace that stirred the anxiety in the first place. And, it's, and it has been in that place where my faith and God's bigness has grown. And, and we see this in the story. They say, we're not going to bow down to, the, to your statue. And this king, boy, he has a real, he has a temper. And he you know, loses it and he tells him to heat the furnace seven times hotter than usual. Uh, then the young men are tied up. They're bound up really tight and they're thrown into the fire. And then this happens, verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, wait a minute, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. That's crazy. And, and notice, that, notice that for these three young men thrown into the fire, notice that the only thing that is touched by the fire is what? The ropes. The thing that bound them is the only thing that the fire destroyed. And so in a, in a sense, it was in the fire, they were set free from what bound them. And what do you think, what do you think bound them? we're going to die. It was fear of death. Like we sounded pretty brave back there, didn't we guys? But now I, uh, I might need another pair of pants all of a sudden. Right. And it's like, and, and, and God met them. And, and it's like, so, so what, what fiery trial are you in right now? And what has you bound up? Like, is it fear for your very life? Is it fear for a loved one's life? Is it, is it just you're, you're, you're bound up by just a loss of faith and trust. You're bound up by bitterness or disappointment or, or confusion or loneliness. Like whatever it is, what we see in this story is a reminder that God wants to meet us 
in those places, and he wants to set us free. Really, it's what the enemy means to hurt you. He wants to literally use that to set you free from what has you bound up. And, and notice that it was in the fire that their eyes were opened and, and they saw Jesus. Like I love, I, I, I have quite an imagination, I think, but I, like how, how, how cool, how cool would that be? How cool would that be to walk around in a fiery furnace Hey, uh, someone's having a cookout, but, but like, not us, but it's, but it's just, I just can't imagine how awesome that would be. But notice that Jesus, and, and, and I know some theologians will debate, was it an angel? Uh, but many would say, this is like, a, I think it's called a theophany, like where, 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 uh, or a Christophany, where Jesus showed up in the Old Testament. And, and I, I really believe that. And so think about it. Jesus was with them fully before they went into the furnace. Jesus was with them fully after the furnace, but it was in the fire. It was in the fire that their eyes were opened and, they, and he was right there, right there with them. And, and this is so cool because this, this puts value on all the struggles that we go through. And I'm not being sort of Disney-ish when I say that. Like, I really mean that. That little struggles and big struggles suddenly become like little furnaces and big furnaces, if you will, suddenly become opportunities for us to, to grow. Opportunities for us to become aware of the presence of God that is always with us, but to become aware of his presence in a much more uh, tangible, real way. So why don't we have the band come back? I'm going to end off this way. I'm going to have a drink. And don't put it up. Don't put it up yet, please. Uh, but we're going to end off by, uh, I'm going to read you a poem. Um, and it's a poem by a man, his initials are A.M. Overton. And, and this gentleman was a pastor in the 1930s in, uh, in the state of Mississippi. And the story is, that during the delivery of, of their fourth child, uh, a fourth daughter, I believe, there, there were complications. And because of the complications, both his wife and their fourth child, the fourth daughter, died uh, in the time of delivery. During the funeral, uh, the officiating pastor looked over at AM, and he was, he was writing something down on a piece of paper. And what he wrote down is this, is this poem. And it's called, He Maketh No Mistake. It says this, My father's way may twist and turn. My heart may throb and ache. But in my soul, I'm glad to know he maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray. My hopes may fade away. But still I'll trust my Lord to lead, for he doth know the way. Though night be dark and it may seem that day will never break, I'll pin my faith, my all on him. He maketh no mistake. There's so much more now I cannot see. My eyesight's far too dim. But come what may, I'll simply trust and leave it all to him. For by and by the mist will lift and plain it all he'll make. Through all the way, though dark to me, he made not one mistake. I can't imagine, well, I can't imagine writing that 
when life's going great, but I can't imagine writing that at the funeral of his wife and his daughter. And when I, I, I see that, I would say it's accurate to say that God was meeting this man in this fiery trial that he was going through and that God was becoming bigger and bigger in his eyes when he realized that even in something so terrible that God was still God and he still was in control and he still could be, could be trusted. So why don't we stand up? We're going to go back into worship. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.